is we don't have very long, but there's a few things that I do want to do. I want to give you an introduction to our new subject. So the subject that we're going to be doing for the next four weeks is the subject of tafsir. And obviously tafsir is a huge subject and four weeks is not very long. So we're clearly not going to be doing a large amount of tafsir. What we are going to do, inshallah, is to try to develop the skill of being able to use the books of tafsir. This is more what I want to achieve than just you being able to, to know what the tafsir of the surah is. So to do this, we need to have a number of factors in place. The first thing that we need to have is we need to have a variety of books of tafsir. We need to have a variety of books. So it's not possible for us to just, for example, say we're going to take the tafsir from this book. Because that will not give you an ability to work with the books of tafsir. To do that, we have to use a variety of books. However, we also have to bear in mind that there aren't very many books available in English. And I don't just want to give you three books in Arabic, which nobody will be able to, you know, to massively benefit from. So what we decided to do is to take a bit of a middle path. We're going to use probably four uh, sources of tafsir. In the most simple form, we will use the translation of Muhsin Khan. Now, we're not really going to study the translation of Muhsin Khan because it's not really a book of tafsir as such, but we will use it to help us for reference. Because obviously, it will give you a translation. And what you have to be aware about regarding the translation of Muhsin Khan is that the translation of Muhsin Khan was intended to be a tafsir, not a translation. And I actually think it's a little bit unfair, sometimes we're a little bit unfair towards the authors of that tafsir, Muhammad uh, Muhsin Khan and Taqiyid Din al-Hilali, that we're quite unfair towards them in the sense that we blame them for putting brackets and commas and making it difficult to read. But if you actually read the history behind that book, you'll see that they never intended to write a translation. That was never their intention. It was hijacked and taken as a translation. It was never intended to be a translation. It was intended to be a summary of the books of tafsir. So they summarized Ibn Kathir and Al-Tabari and Al-Qurtubi and uh, some other books, key books of tafsir. And they, they summarized them into something that resembles a translation. And that is why when it comes to tafsir, I recommend that you rely upon Muhsin Khan's translation rather than Sahih International, for example. There are only two reasonable translations of the Quran in English, and that is Muhsin Khan and Sahih International. But Sahih International was written to be a translation, and Muhsin Khan was written to be a tafsir. And therefore, in studying tafsir in English, 
it is beneficial to have a copy of the translation of Muhsin Khan available to you because in of itself it is a summary of tafsir and therefore it is suitable to use in a class of tafsir because those brackets and those you know like long kind of going off on a tangent and stuff like that that is there for a reason it is there as a tafsir of the ayah so for example there's sometimes a criticism at the end of surah al-fatiha that in the muhsin khan translation you have something like uh, not the path of those who have earned your anger open brackets the jews close brackets nor those who have gone astray open brackets the christians close brackets or in some of them the jews and those who are similar the christians and those who are similar some people say why is this in a translation that's not the words of the quran the quran does not say not the yahud and not the christians but this is the tafsir of the ayah because this is what the Prophet said about the ayah. Therefore, as a book of tafsir, Muhsin Khan's translation is actually quite good as a simple reference for you. So this is kind of just for you to understand the basic meaning of the ayah. It's not going to give you a great deal of depth. It's not going to give you a great deal of skill in the science of tafsir. It's not going to give you differences of opinion or asbab al-nuzul or you know Arabic grammar or it's just literally going to give you let me just get a basic idea of what the ayah means in English and so I would recommend that our first book that we're going to sort of have with us available to us is the translation of Mohsin Khan the second book and the, the first book of tafsir that we're going to use is the tafsir of Al-Imam Al-Sa'di His full name is Abdurrahman Ibn Nasir Al-Sa'di. And uh, he really has a very, very, very beautiful book. And a very important, a very important book as well. This book is called Taysir Al-Kareem Al-Rahman. في تفسير كلام المنان That is the well-known uh, name of the book. تيسير الكريم الرحمن تيسير means ease. يعني Allah made it easy. That, was, that which was made easy by الكريم The most noble. الرحمن The most merciful. In the tafsir of the speech of المنان any, this is the name of the title, the name of the book. And it's more commonly known by Tafsir al-Sa'di. Why have we chosen Tafsir al-Sa'di? We've chosen Tafsir al-Sa'di for three reasons. Number one, it is a summarized Tafsir. What do we mean by a summarized Tafsir? It does not have ikhtilaf in it. It does not have large discussion or large amounts of, of information about each ayah it just gives you the summary of the meaning of the ayah usually I would say on average an ayah is anywhere between one line and five lines something like that 
And he, it's, it's quite short. Sometimes an ayah might only be one word. He might only just break the ayah up and he might give you the ayah in, in, as it is in the Quran and just insert two or three words to explain the ayah as it, you know, as it is. So number one, it is a summarized book of tafsir. Number two, it is at least partially available in English. Now we may not be doing, the, the ayahs we do may not be available in English right now. But at least it is a book that within the next two years or three years, you will have available in English to, for you to read. And so it's no point me teaching you, for example, I don't know, like if I were to teach you another book of, of summarized uh, tafsir, if I were to teach you another book of summarized tafsir, and that book is not available in English, you would say we studied how to benefit from the book, but we don't have the book. At least tafsir al-Sa'di, you, you have already, I believe, up to about, maybe up to Surah al-Tawbah has been published, and the last two uh, juz of the juz tabarak and juz amma juz tabarak and juz amma are published by dar salam and there is a publication company in the u.s that have published from al-baqarah up to either al-ma'idah or maybe even now up to at-tawbah and they're releasing it bit by bit so the point is you can actually get hold of the book and you can actually benefit from it uh, i didn't want to teach you a book that didn't have that didn't have a um or didn't have a translation available in English. As I said, we, the bit of the Qur'an that we do the tafsir of may not be from, uh, it may be that it's not from the bit that's available in English. But the point is that as you study the methodology of Imam al-Sa'di in his tafsir and his method, you will be able to buy this book in English and benefit from it. That's the point. Uh, the third reason uh, that we chose uh, Tafsir al-Sa'di is because it has benefits in it which are not found in other books of Tafsir. Now, in other words, it is an original work. Now, you may think, well, all books of Tafsir are original works, but reality is there are books of Tafsir which simply summarize that which came before. As an example, let me just give you the example of Muhsin Khan's translation that I mentioned. There is nothing in Muhsin Khan's translation that is any different to what is in Ibn Kathir and Al-Qurtubi and Tafsir Al-Tabari. Yani it it, it's just a summary of what is already there. Al-Imam Al-Sa'di brings benefits and information that, is not, that are not found in other books of Tafsir. He brings you benefits, he brings you information, he brings you uh, opinions regarding the names of Allah, and so on that you would struggle to find in other books of tafsir and you might find them of course they have an evidence for them in a hadith or in but he brings you genuine original content any stuff in there that you will not find in mentioned easily you will not find it in other books of tafsir you will find it somewhere because it's not like he invented it from himself but you will not easily find it. For example, it's not like everything he quotes is already in Ibn Kathir. There are things in Tafsir al-Sa'di, benefits and information you will not find in Ibn Kathir, for example. So that is why I personally believe it is the best of the summarized books of Tafsir. Because of all of the summarized books of Tafsir, 
it is the one that has the most genuinely beneficial original content in it. And we can add a fourth reason, which is the reason which we have for all of the books of tafsir that we've chosen, is the validity and the correctness of his aqidah. Because again, we do not want you to start by reading the book of a Mu'tazili or an Ash'ari or anyone else. I mean, the most famous summarized book of tafsir is Al-Jalalain. Tafsir Al-Jalalain. This is the most famous summarized book of tafsir. But the reality is that it has errors in aqidah. It has mistakes in the Asma'ul Sifat in other areas. And so it would be wrong to take a bunch of people who, for some of you, it's your first time you're attending a, a proper sort of Islamic studies course, and then give you a book that on every other page there's something, some aqidah issue regarding the names and attributes or regarding how we understand the ayah. You want a book that you can be confident in what the author writes. That doesn't mean it doesn't have mistakes in it. Because everything outside of Al-Wahi, everything outside of Revelation can have mistakes in it. As the famous statement of Imam Malik, Everyone has things they say accepted and things they say that are rejected. But I want you to have a book that you can trust that the author, his belief and his understanding, particularly of names and attributes and aqidah in general, is correct. So that you're not going to read it and then get yourself confused or get yourself misguided in some way. So that's another reason why we chose the tafsir of Imam al-Sa'di over, for example, al-Jalalain. Al-Sa'di is bigger than al-Jalalain. Al-Jalalain is smaller. It's more summarized. And al-Sa'di is a little bit bigger because he brings some benefits, as we said, he brings some explanations and some benefits. Rahimahullah uh, ta'ala. Al-Imam al-Sa'di died, to the best of my knowledge, in 1376 after the Hijrah. 1376. Now that means that he... Uh, what, what, what are we in now? 1438? Okay, 1438, I believe, inshallah. So that means that he is relatively contemporary. He's not from our shuyukh, yani from the people who maybe people in this room would have sat with, but the sheikh of our shuyukh. So for example, he was the sheikh of Sheikh ibn Ibn Ta'ala. And likewise, Sheikh bin Baz Ta'ala sat with him on numerous occasions. So Sheikh Allama Sa'di, he is basically the teacher of our teachers. Or depending on how young we are, the teacher of our teacher of our teacher. Either there is one person between us and him or two people between us and him depending on who we sat with. I personally did not uh, sit with the generation of, for example, uh, Sheikh Ibn And I began studying Islam after Sheikh Ibn rahimahullah ta'ala passed away. So this generation, like between me and them, there are two, and there are two teachers. And in my teacher, would usually have been a student of, for example, a Sheikh bin Baz or a Sheikh Nuthaymin. And therefore, Sheikh Sa'di was their teacher. But some people who may have studied from those shuyukh because they reached their, they reached their level, uh, then Sheikh Sa'di would have been like their teacher. So you get an idea that he is relatively contemporary. And that's also a good thing. Because the first beginner's book that you do, it doesn't hurt for that book to be written by someone 
in our in our generation or in our time because that's more accessible to you it's easier for you to understand so it doesn't hurt you know in that regard the next book that we're going to cover uh, or we're going to delve into now we're probably not going to delve into it too much for the reason that it doesn't to the best of my knowledge exist in english and that is the tafsir of a sheikh ibn Uthaymeen, rahimullah ta'ala However, uh, the tafsir of Sheikh Ibn Taymin is bigger than the tafsir of Al-Imam Al-Sa'di. And it contains more uh, by way of explanation. Like, for example, the Sheikh may mention the Sbab uh, al-Nuzul, he may mention things related to Arabic grammar, he may mention fiqh of the ayah, rulings, halal and haram and stuff like that. So there is, there is definitely an increase in the amount you can take from it. But again, the Sheikh doesn't go into a great amount of ikhtilaf. And he doesn't go into a great amount of different opinions and so on. So it's more summarized, it's, it's more comprehensive than tafsir al-Sa'di, but it still is something that an ordinary Muslim can read and benefit from without getting too confused. And it's still quite easy to benefit. It was, it was written for the beginner student of knowledge and for the regular, the regular Muslim who wants to just read a book of tafsir. So it's also within that range of easy books, but at the same time, it contains more information than a Sa'di because the Sheikh doesn't just give a basic tafsir of the ayah. He goes into some detail depending on the ayat. The last book that we're going to do, and the most important, without a shadow of a doubt, of the books that we're going to do, is the tafsir of Ibn Kathir. And again, the tafsir of Ibn Kathir, we're going to be doing the full tafsir, not the summarized version. If you go and buy tafsir Ibn Kathir in one volume or two volumes, you're not buying the full version of Ibn Kathir. You're buying the summarized version. So I think the most famous publisher of this is probably Dar as Salaam. Dar as Salaam have two versions of Ibn Kathir. They have a summarized version, which is, I think, one or two volumes. And they have one that's like that. And it fills your whole bookshelf. That, I don't know if it's eight volumes. I think it was eight volumes or ten volumes. Something between eight and ten volumes. This one is the full version of Ibn Kathir. Uh, and that's the one that we're going to be uh, referring to inshallah even in that I don't know because I can't remember what, the last time I read the English version whether they removed the asanid or not whether they removed the isnad because generally when they translate into English they often remove the the senate like for example in the kutub sitta the ones that are translated into English they do not mention the the senate they do not mention the chain so I don't know in Ibn Kathir, in the full version that is published by Dar salam whether they remove the chains of narration or not. But in any case, we'll be referring to the Arabic copy, and you know that there is an English copy you can refer to. Now the reason, again, for Ibn Kathir is, number one, Ibn Kathir is one of the most significant uh, books of tafsir that we have available. It is much more complex than the other books of tafsir that we mentioned. It has differences of opinion in it. It has 
extensive discussion of the ayat, including the different qira'at, uh, styles of recitation, the reason that the ayat were revealed. It has some narrations from Ahlul Kitab in there. It has a lot of information in there. It has senad chains of narration, usually. Uh, going back to a major book of, of hadith like Musnad al-Imam Ahmed or something like that. It has a lot, of, a lot of stuff in there that is very beneficial to a student of tafsir. In fact, it's so beneficial that it's one of the books that Sheikh bin Baz ta'ala said about it. I never stopped reading this book. And Sheikh bin Baz said, every time I finish the book, Tafsir ibn Kathir, I start reading it again. It was one of the few books that he said that I read constantly. I start reading it. When I reach the end, I start reading it again. Like throughout, throughout his whole life, rahimahullah ta'ala, or most of his life, he read Tafsir ibn Kathir from beginning to end and then started again at the beginning. Uh, one of the reasons we chose Ibn Kathir is because even though it's quite complex, it's not too complex. And that is why it's still being translated into English. You know, the, for example, why has Tafsir al-Tabari not been translated? First of all, because of the huge amount of content. And also because it is very, very complex. Ibn Kathir is still accessible to people at the beginning level of their studies. Yani it's not like so difficult that you, you, know, you feel like you need a doctorate in tafsir to be able to even understand it. You know, it's the, the language, the way that it's put across is quite easy. So I think that uh, tafsir Ibn Kathir is a good choice for us to, uh, to study from ta'ala. Now, with regard to tafsir Ibn Kathir, we need to cover some points. We need to understand a little bit about who Ibn Kathir was, when he lived, and what his methodology was with regard to tafsir, so that we can understand how to benefit from the, from the book, inshallah. Because remember, the primary goal in this study of tafsir is not to learn the tafsir of the ayat, although that will be part of the exam. It's not like just, you know, that, for example, if we do the tafsir of you know, for example, Surah Al-Baqarah, it's not the aim that we should just come out knowing the tafsir. The aim is to be able to know how to deal with the different books of tafsir, the small books, the medium books, and the slightly more complicated books. If you're looking for information, which book are you likely to find that in? Which one is, for example, summarized, and which one has more detail? The one that has more detail, how is it organized? How, are the taf how, are the tafsir of the, how is the tafsir of the surah organized? And what information will you find and what information will you not find? So it's about you being able to benefit from these different uh, books. And primarily, as we said, most of the time, we're going to be focusing on As-Sa'di and Ibn Kathir. That's going to be the majority of the time. We will dip into go down a level and dip into Muhsin Khan's translation for the sake of just providing a basic explanation of the ayah. And we will sometimes dip into the tafsir of Sheikh Ibn But because it's only in Arabic, I'm not going to sort of dip into it too much because it's going to make it difficult for people to study from later on. But what I will do is we'll primarily look at the difference between Ibn Kathir and As-Sa'di. I mean, how is a Sa'di summarized and, and simple and sort of basic? 
and how is Ibn Kathir more complicated and how do you act with each one? How do you behave? How do you manage or how do you benefit from the different types of books? So hopefully that will be um, something that everybody will benefit from. We want you to be able to come out and feel like you can study the tafsir of any ayah of the Qur'an from these books and be able to manage it. You understand what you will find, what you want, and how to access the tafsir, and how when you go at levels, beginning, medium, difficult, it makes it easier to understand. And this is why we say to people, honestly, if you were to read the translation of the ayah according to Muhsin Khan, then read the tafsir of the ayah according to Imam al-Sa'di. And then to go to Ibn Kathir and read, you know, five pages about the ayah or three pages about the ayah, you would understand the ayah very, very well. If you were to begin by reading Ibn Kathir and go backwards, you would probably find yourself a little bit confused. Because you would read Ibn Kathir and read a lot of different ikhtilaf and opinions and where did it come from and this was said and this is weak and this is strong and this hadith is correct and this hadith isn't and you would become a little bit a little bit confused probably about that whereas if you were to start at the beginning and just move up for any ayah i think it would give you a very very good understanding because muhsin khan would just give you this is what the ayah means as Sa'di would give you, this is what the ayah means and here's a bit of explanation about it or a little bit of benefit about it or one or two points of interest. And Ibn Kathir would give you the detail, but you have something to hold yourself to. So you're not going into Ibn Kathir and drowning. Because you can drown in Tafsir Ibn Kathir. Like metaphorically, you can drown in Tafsir Ibn Kathir. You could, you could open it up and just end up reading so many different opinions and so many different narrations that you just become confused about what the tafsir of the ayah is and you leave it without any more knowledge than you had when you when you began whereas when you peg yourself to a simple book of tafsir you have like an idea of what the ayah means and then you read the differences that relate to the ayah in ibn kathir bearing in mind that ibn kathir is not going to bring you crazy differences he's not going to bring you like things which are batil or things which are really evil or things which are from, you know, deviant groups and sects generally. It's, you're not going to find that inside of Ibn Kathir. So you're still relatively safe, but you might get drowned in all of the differences of opinion. Having studied also Usul al-Tafsir, you'll also be able to appreciate that many of the different opinions that exist in Ibn Kathir are themselves not contradictory. So you'll also benefit from that in the sense that you'll benefit from, uh, from, from realizing that, not, that the vast majority of differences of opinion in Ibn Kathir are not contradictory. They are example of, of tafsir which is possible to gather together all of those opinions into one opinion. And that's interesting because you can then go into the reverse and see what did Al-Imam Al-Sa'di, for example, choose out of the tafsir of Ibn Kathir? And what was his opinion that he chose? And why did he choose that opinion to present to you in his summary rather than any of the other opinions that exist within the tafsir? So it also provides you like a safety, like a check, a checklist for you to go back and say, okay, did I 
come out with the right tafsir in this and why. So there's a lot of, inshallah, benefit that you can have by contrasting different books of uh, tafsir. Now what we want to just finish with, inshallah, in the last 10 minutes or so, is we want to finish with a brief summary of the methodology of Ibn Kathir in his tafsir. Why do we not need the methodology of the other shiuch? Because their methodology is easy. When you open the book, the methodology will be obvious. Like if you just open tafsir al-Sa'di, you can straight away see the methodology of al-Imam al-Sa'di in his tafsir. You don't need anyone to really explain it to you. Whereas Ibn Kathir, because it's a little bit bigger, it helps for somebody just to break down to you what Ibn Kathir, what his style was and what his methodology was. And I'm not going to give you everything. Some of it I'm going to leave out for you to discover for yourself. Actually, there are still people writing doctorate, degree, doctorate theses and master's theses on the methodology of Ibn Kathir in his tafsir. For example, what is the methodology of Ibn Kathir in a tarjih, in preferring one opinion over another? Is it always the first opinion he mentions is the preferred one? Or is, for example, does he always mention the strongest opinion first? Or does he mention the strongest opinion last? This is something that I will, you know, some things I will leave you to discover, inshallah. Uh, because actually Ibn Kathir is a big, uh, a big topic and something that people still, until today, I was just going through a forum where people were discussing uh, doctorate theses that have been written on Ibn Kathir. And until today, they're still producing masters and doctorate theses on the topic of the methodology of Ibn Kathir or a particular element of it. You know, how did Ibn Kathir prefer one narration over the other? What is Ibn Kathir's opinion in Jarh al Ta'adil? Ibn Kathir, how does Ibn Kathir deal with hadith? How does Ibn Kathir deal with Israeliyat? You know, there are like people write an entire four year doctorate on how Ibn Kathir deals with the, relation, the narrations from the children of Israel. So there's a lot to, to take from it. Yeah. There's a lot to benefit from it. But just generally, a summarized concept of Ibn Kathir. So, uh, uh, Ibn Kathir, he is Ahmad al-Din, Abu al-Fida, and his name is Ismail ibn Umar ibn Kathir. And some of them summarize it and say Ismail ibn Kathir. He was born, Rahimahullah uh, Ta'ala, around about the early 700s, or just before that, slightly. Uh, in fact, I think, I think exactly on the 700, if I'm not mistaken, Ibn Kathir was born exactly 700, almost exactly 700 years uh, after the Hijrah. And he passed away, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, 774 years after the Hijrah. So he was born in 700, and he passed away in 774. He's primary, primarily known as being uh, 
Damashqi, from Damask, from Damascus, in Sham. That's primarily, and his, usually that's what he is attributed to. He actually was born outside of Damascus and he moved to Damascus when he was quite young. I think he was something like six or seven years old, something like that, when he moved to Damascus. But he's primarily known for being from Damascus, Damascus. And there's a lot to say about how he studied and where he learned from and stuff like that. But primarily, we just want to be able to put him into context. Is that he is from the students of the likes of Al-Mizzi and Ibn Taymiyyah. And around that kind of time. Around that kind of time. He has a number of famous, uh, uh, a number of famous uh, uh but certainly he spent a long time with Al-Hafidh Jamal al-Din al-Mizzi, and likewise uh, he read a number of, and he read a number of texts to Ibn uh, Taymiyyah. So you have an idea of the kind of generation that he exists within. And also you should be aware that like we said with regard to the other Sa'di as well, that with regard to Ibn Kathir, his aqidah was the aqidah of Ahl sunnah And so he generally, even though he quoted from some of the books of those people who wrote in tafsir who were not from the from the Aqidah of Ahl Sunnah, he may quote something from them. He himself, his Aqidah was, was correct. And that's important because that tells you that you're not going to go into his book and open it up and find something, you know, some crazy statement from the Mu'tazila or some crazy statement from the Mutakallimeen that is going to, you know, lead you astray. Generally, the book is written upon the methodology of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah, which is important. What we need to study, which is important, uh, is his methodology in tafsir. And I'm just going to summarize it in a few basic points. Number one, he is known for his simple use of language and short sentences. So you're not going to find Ibn Kathir, you know, like going up to like 10 pages in a paragraph talking about the sabab of nuzul of a particular ayah, you know, it's like you're not gonna like go into that much detail. It's still relatively short and, and to the point. You know, he's known for being to the point and that his language is easy to understand. Generally, he mentions riwayat, narrations or hadith with the senate. With the, with the chain of narration, generally. Now that doesn't mean from him to the Prophet but he mentions it from a famous book of hadith to the Prophet For example, he will say, Al-Imam Ahmad narrated in his musnad from so-and-so, from so-and-so, from so-and-so, from so-and-so, from so-and-so, that the Prophet said. This is important because he gives you the Sanad and this is important for many, many reasons. Number one, 
it gives you confidence in what is being narrated to you. Number two, it allows you to study the chain, maybe not ourselves to study the chain, but it allows the scholars to study the chain of narration and to give you information about whether the hadith is authentic or not. Whereas if he had just said, the Prophet said this, and Umar said this, and Mujahid said this, then it would be difficult for us to establish whether they really said it or not. It would require a lot of work. But he's taken that work out from your, you know, he's given you a gift that you don't need to do all of that work. He's given you the chain of narration in front of you. So if you are knowledgeable about the science of hadith and the different people involved in it, then it's easy for you to be able to open the book and to be able to understand which narration is authentic and which one isn't. If you remember, Shaykh Islam al-Taymiyyah mentioned that one of the major differences in tafsir comes from narrations, i.e. weak narrations versus strong narrations. Therefore, Ibn Kathir has put the Sanad in there for you to be able to study which narration is strong and which narration is weak. And for us, really what we need for that is a good muhaqqiq, a good uh, checking or a good commentary. So the, the, the copy of tafsir uh, that I have, uh, of tafsir ibn Kathir, I think the one that I have is uh, from Awlad al-Shaykh, the, the print of Awlad al-Shaykh. It has a good tahqiq in it. It has a good commentary where the, the commentator on the tafsir, he says, this hadith is hasan, this hadith is sahih, this hadith is da'if. So it, it helps you in that regard. He prefers tafsir of the Qur'an with the Qur'an. And he gives preference to tafsir of the Qur'an with the Qur'an. However, he's not known for it. And this is something like you have to distinguish here. Tafsir ibn Kathir is not considered to be a book of tafsir al-Qur'an bil-Qur'an. An example of that would be, for example, Adwa al-Bayan by Sheikh Muhammad Amin al-Shanqiti, rahimahullah ta'ala. Sheikh Muhammad al-Amin al-Shanqiti has a book called Tawa al-Bayan. This book is purely and solely tafsir of the Qur'an with the Qur'an. And it's a book that is intended to be tafsir of the Qur'an with the Qur'an. As for tafsir ibn Kathir, it's considered to be an example of a tafsir bin riwayah, meaning tafsir by narrations. However, wherever Ibn Kathir can quote from the Qur'an, he will. If he doesn't find a tafsir from the Qur'an, then he will use a tafsir from the sunnah of the Prophet And if he doesn't find that, then from the Sahaba, and he also mentions the opinions of the tabi'een, even to the point that he often or will sometimes mention that the opinion of Imam al-Tabari. And he will rely upon the opinion also of Imam al-Tabari, even though Imam al-Tabari is, you know, from that generation of, you know, 300 years after the hijrah, that kind of time that he, you know, that he passed away. So it's that, like, even though he's not from that generation, but he still, he will go as far as quoting from Imam al-Tabari. But generally he will give preference to tafsir of the Qur'an with the Qur'an and then tafsir of the Qur'an with the Sunnah 
and then tafsir of the Quran with the opinion of the Sahaba, and then tafsir of the Quran with the opinion of the Tabi'een. And if he doesn't find that, he would go as far to quote from the likes of Al-Imam Al-Tabari, rahimahullah ta'ala. Uh, I'll quote you what he said, uh, and I'll just translate it as I'm going. He said, indeed the most authentic way of tafsir is to do the tafsir of the Qur'an with the Qur'an. For whatever is mentioned in a general sense in one place is mentioned in detail in another. And he's saying that even if the Qur'an is general in one place, in some other part of the Qur'an it will mention what is it will mention the detail for that general for that general statement. If this is not possible, then you must take the Sunnah, because the Sunnah explains the Quran and clarifies it. And at this point, if we do not find tafsir from the Quran nor from the Sunnah, we go back to the opinion of the companions. For indeed, they are the most knowledgeable of this because of what they witnessed of the Quran and the circumstances that were unique to them. And because of what they had of complete understanding and correct knowledge and righteous action, especially their scholars and their major yani, shuyukh from the Sahaba, such as the Khulafa al-Rashidin, al-A'immat al-Mahdiyin, and Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu an. This is from the statement of Ibn Kathir. So what he's saying to you is the best way of tafsir is tafsir of the Quran with the Quran. And then tafsir of the Quran with the Sunnah. And if we don't find Quran or Sunnah, what did Ibn Taymiyyah consider those to be? Ibn Taymiyyah calls those, and they are nusus, and you have like a text. If you don't find that, then go to the Sahaba because they were the most knowledgeable people of the tafsir of the Quran, especially the major companions, the likes of the Khulafa al-Rashidin, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, and, and Ibn Abbas, and so on and so forth. With regard to narrating from the children of Israel, he himself says, Ibn Kathir, he says, these ahadith al-Israeliyah, these Israeliyat, these narrations from the children of Israel are mentioned for the purpose of istishhad. And he was just giving them as a, you know, by way of, of, of sort of just, just to mention them. Yani we're not... We're not using them as a delete. He said we're giving them for the point of just as a, you know, just to mention them for, for a benefit. We do not rely upon them. And they are in three categories. Number one, what we know the truth of, for the, and this is true, yani what we know the truth of from the Quran and the Sunnah. What we know the falsehood of, and this is false. And that which is not mentioned not from this group nor from that group we do not believe in it nor do we deny it and it is permissible to relate it because of what has been previously said i.e. the statement of the Prophet and you narrate from the children of Israel there is no harm in it so it's permissible to narrate it but we don't approve of it nor do we deny it Then he said, and this is what we'll finish with, he said, if we do not find tafsir from the Qur'an, nor from the Sunnah, 
nor do we find any tafsir from the Sahaba, then we turn to the opinions of the Tabi'een, especially their major scholars. Like Mujahid ibn Jabr, because he was an ayah in, in tafsir, and he was like a miracle in, the, in, in tafsir. He was an ayah in tafsir. And for this reason, Sufyan al-Thawri used to say, if tafsir comes to you from Mujahid, then this is enough for you. And Sa'id ibn Jubair and Ikrimah and so on and so forth. Uh, and he also explained, and Ibn Kathir also explained, that tafsir of the Qur'an by nothing more than your personal opinion is haram. Any tafsir of the Qur'an by nothing more than your personal opinion is haram. So you will not find the personal opinion of Ibn Kathir in his tafsir. You'll find Tarjih, he will say, I prefer this one over this one. But you will not find him saying, I sat one day and I just thought the tafsir of the ayah is this. And the tafsir will be based upon the Qur'an and the Sunnah. And if it's not found, the Sahaba. And if it's not found, then the Tabi'een. To the point where the, 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 like the minimum, the lowest that he will go is to Imam al-Tabari. That, like you know, that is like the lowest that he will go. After that, he will not generally, Ibn Kathir will not quote uh, from the tafsir uh, of anyone else after that. So this hopefully has explained to you the methodology of Ibn Kathir in his tafsir in summary. And inshallah ta'ala, the last thing that we're going to mention is that we are going to vary the different ayat. We're not going to focus on finishing a surah. It doesn't matter to me too much. What we are going to do is take some ayat that are makkiyah or some surahs that are makkiyah and some that are madaniyah. Because the Madani surahs are going to be, there's more fiqh, there's more halal and haram in it. There's more maybe, you know, like, ikhtilaf in it. The Makkiyah is more likely to be relating to Tawheed and Aqeedah and, you know, worshipping Allah alone and refuting the Mushrikeen. So this is a little bit easier, and there's less ikhtilaf in it. So we're going to also look at those things. Because what we want to do in this next three weeks after this is literally to summarize everything we've done now since the the last like whatever six weeks or whatever however long five six weeks we've been doing it we're going to go through ulum al-quran within tafsir usul al-tafsir within tafsir and then comparative tafsir between the difference between ibn kathir and al-sa'di and so on so that's the plan inshallah and we finish the time now we don't have any more time we have to stop now uh do you have an announcement to make Apparently there's an announcement. Okay. And then Sahih International. But Sahih International will not benefit us a lot here in, in, in Tafsir. Okay. So we have a nice little thing to finish off with. Uh, one of the brothers came to take, uh, to take shahada to become Muslim. Uh, so the brothers at Kalima have already explained, and in my methodology with regard to people who come to me to become Muslim, we don't, uh, you know, subhanAllah, we don't just tell them, you know, come here and say the shahada. We explain Islam to them. We help them to understand what it is that they're saying. So the guys at Kalima have already done that. So the brother just wants to, and he just to say his shahada yani, uh, in front of you guys, inshallah. 
So what we normally do, inshallah, if you come here, then because we only have this one microphone, inshallah. So what we'll do is I'll say it for you word for word and you say it after me. Okay? All right. Ashhadu. Ashhadu. An la. An la. Ilaha. Ilaha. Illallah. Illallah. Wa. Wa. Ashhadu. Ashhadu. Anna. Anna. Muhammadan. Muhammadan. Rasulullah. Rasulullah. That's all it takes. So the brother, mashallah, became, uh, became Muslim. Now he came to Kalima. The guys explained to him about Islam and he made his shahada now for everyone. So inshallah, the brothers can, uh, can greet him after, the salah, after, after we finish the lecture, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, but it's very, very nice. It's very nice to see you, bro. Very nice for you to, uh, you know, like, uh, to come here and to share your Islam with everyone. Jazakallahu khairan. Uh, and again, you know, like it's a very good, it's a very good thing that everybody takes from that, the importance of learning. You know, all of the people here, they came today to learn about Islam. And that's what everyone has to do from the moment you become Muslim and take your shahada. Now, after that, the journey is all about learning your religion and learning about Islam. So inshallah, we'll finish there. Wajazakumullah khairan.